Hi, I'm Mark Loftus, editor of Post, and I'd like to welcome you to the first in a series of three podcasts sponsored by Dell Technologies. In this first episode, titled The Era of Data Orchestration, I'm joined by two professionals with expertise in the space. First, I'd like to welcome Alex Timms, head of Business Development and Alliances for Media and Entertainment at Dell Technologies. Welcome, Alex. Thanks, Mark. Thanks so much for having me. I'm very much looking forward to today's discussion. Great to have you. Also joining us is Jason Lowry, the CTO of Architecta, which has created its own comprehensive data management platform called MediaFlux. MediaFlux allows content producers to view and manage disparate data and ensure that it is being captured and relayed to the right sets of people. Jason, welcome. Thanks, Mark. It's a pleasure to be here and really looking forward to the conversation. As I had mentioned, episode one is titled The Era of Data Orchestration, and here we're looking to define some of the problems in the media and entertainment space. Who would like to start with identifying some of these challenges? Alex, how about you go first? Uh, look, there's a number of different factors that are influencing some of the challenges uh, today, Mark. And, you know, I suppose the largest shift that's occurred recently uh, has been uh, COVID-related uh, pressures, external pressures on businesses. Those pressures essentially dictate that in order to get access to talent, uh, you need to have a fairly significant geo-distributed strategy uh, in a lot of these pipelines. In addition to that, uh, companies have had to seek out ways to reduce costs or look at reducing the cost of revenue. In order to achieve that, it quite often means outsourcing or moving production to parts of the world where there's either positive sort of tax outcomes or benefits to uh, rebates, uh, et cetera, to your, your business, or where the actual labour costs uh, to achieve or an outcome um, are a lot cheaper. And so those forces, I think, combined, along with the general innovation that occurs in media and entertainment in particular, because it's constantly changing, uh, has led to a fairly uh, significant amount of transformation and pressure on uh, changes to the way in which we move, consume, and uh, and measure data in particular. The world's also shrinking, though, isn't it? Uh, uh, it's easier to get to people. People work across time time zones. We've, we've got follow the sun uh, production pipelines. Uh, there is talent all over the world, and we need really to get to the best quality talent when we want to produce the highest uh, quality outcomes. So anything that enables us to bring teams of people together, no matter where they're uh, living or working, I think uh, is an advantage. And that's what we're looking at with the orchestration of data. So much of that we've heard leading up to even before COVID, uh, looking for talent wherever the talent is available and not necessarily having to be local, You know, being able to benefit from talent far away from where uh, a studio may be set up, the incentives, of working in other places where economics are driving it. So uh, obviously the size of files now gotten having gotten so much larger with all of the di digital acquisition cameras and, and formats. So there's different uh, aspects that are affecting it. Obviously COVID driving everybody towards the remote workflow. Uh, it seems like it's all come together more so in the past two years, but it was going in that direction. It was going in that direction, but COVID really has uh, amplified that and made people realise that you can work uh, in a disconnected and disparate uh, way. Uh, it's a forcing function, if you like, but we would have been heading in that way anyway. 
The other thing that's happening is that the complexity and the amount of data that we're uh, managing with respect to a, a, a production is increasing. As we get to higher and higher fidelity uh, content, the quality, the number of uh, assets that we need to manage is increasing. We're in the sort of orders of hundreds of millions typically now, but we'll get to the range where we need to manage billions of things. The size of things is increasing. So I, my background was with uh, Kodak and Cineon in the early 90s. So we worked at 4K resolutions. At that time, a lot of people worked at uh, 2K. Now we're in the ranges of uh, 8, 12, 16 and beyond. Those files get bigger. And as your workflows uh, use uh, uh, larger amounts of data, it gets harder to move those around the globe. So we need to focus on the, uh, the, the way in which we move. We can't... We can't beat the laws of physics. It takes a certain amount of time to transmit light around the globe. But we can do things to accelerate the, uh, the, the transmission uh, as uh, using parallelism, etc. But we need to bring people together that are uh, separated by large uh, distances and we need to transmit larger and larger files and increasingly larger numbers of these and we need to keep track of where everything is. Jason, you've authored an article that coincides with this discussion, and I'm going to share the link in the details for this podcast. Essentially, you're saying that the data has grown to such a large amount that we as humans are unable to manage it efficiently. I don't know about you, Mark, but I struggle to keep track of a, a few hundred things, let alone uh, millions and billions of things. And we're hitting into those into that era where uh, there are just so many bits and pieces for humans to keep track of. It's not possible without automation. And uh, that the human becomes a limiting factor in our ability to increase the fidelity of a production, visual effects or other. So we need uh, systems to help us uh, automate those processes as much as possible. How have post pipelines evolved from the way they worked in the past, even prior to COVID? Because collaboration isn't a new concept. Uh, and what we're seeing now Jason, do you want to start with that? Yeah, okay. So it used to be the case that people people used to collaborate, uh, always collaborated, but it was harder. And we, we used to be in a world where we shipped drives around, uh, physical disk drives from one place to the other. We can no longer sustain the, it, it, those, uh, the time that it takes to do that. We need to be much more collected and connected sorry, and immediate uh, these days. And the scales are definitely getting larger, so it really... Uh, makes that it's no longer feasible to do that. Alex, how about you? You spent time at Animal Logic, uh, you know, a high-end studio before joining Dell three years ago. What have you experienced? Yeah, look, just sort of starting, following on from what Jason sort of said, you know, the modern, there's been a shift from the traditional linear pipeline where, you know, it was one department to the next. It was like a manufacturing line. So someone had to finish yep. something they pass that widget over to the next department or the next person and then they do a process on it and they'd have an output, so on and so on. That's gone. Uh, businesses can't sustain that linear process. You're not efficient enough um, to, to survive. So really the focus has been on, you know, adding metadata-driven automation um, and it's about delivering quality creative output on time and within budget. And to achieve that at scale, you have to automate wherever possible. And as Jason has said before, it's happening uh, across hundreds of shots, hundreds of crew, thousands, if not millions of versions, you know, all working towards this common output. Um, so in the modern day, it just can't happen 
fast enough, really. Um, and so you have to make this a very automated approach. Um, but to give you a, an example of that sort of shift, that radical shift in size, I suppose, and the scope of, of the problem, um, you know, data sets associated with content, as I've experienced it, have grown exponentially. Uh, and a good example of that is when I first started in M&E, uh, the show that I was working at the time had its final assets and all of the dependencies for those final assets sitting on disk at roughly 64 terabytes. If you fast forward to one of the last shows I worked on before moving across to Dell Technologies, which was only you know three years ago, um, and you looked at the final images and the dependencies there, they were four petabytes. Four petabytes. That's a big change. That's a lot more storage. Um, and to give you additional context, in the same time, budget shrunk to about a third of what they were before. So what does it mean? It means that M&E businesses must focus on uh, metadata-driven automation in order to extract efficient use of their data, and that includes things like deprecating unused assets. And the only way you can do that, because it's humanly impenetrable because of the size now, is through automation and getting uh, tools that allow you to answer questions rapidly and automate your pipeline as a result. Look, fundamentally, media and entertainment, particularly in creation, and I, I come from the creation side of media and entertainment, uh, particularly animation and visual effects, but in that business, um, success is really based on how low the friction is between human interactions. So uh, part of that is, is collaboration storage because you've got all these different departments, you know, story, animation, uh, compositing, design, lighting, et cetera. And all these departments, you know, have tens of people, sometimes hundreds of people in them, and they're all collaborating, working towards a single goal, which is to make this amazing, tell this amazing story, make these amazing pictures. So they all centre around uh, this pool of data, if you will, with storytelling at the core. Um, and so re reducing the amount of friction between those individuals is, is so critical. Um, it's sort of improving quality and efficiency in these pipelines is probably less about new ideas and it's more about the dynamics and the connections and reducing the friction between them um, because it's the human element within these pipelines that makes every single pipeline distinct. Um, and so, you know, reducing friction supports creativity and allows for a better outcome. To achieve that, typically uh, businesses have had this single silo of storage and made that data as fast and available as possible for all these individuals, particularly in what we call non-linear pipelines, which is where every department is collaborating uh, together. Every output from a department is an input for another one. And we're seeing a lot more of that in, in USD pipelines or universal scene description pipelines. Um, but what's happened now is because of this geo-distributed nature of production, um, which is driven by external factors and, and the need to be more efficient and to get access to talent, um, we've sort of had to move from having this single silo of storage behind a you know, firewall that's fenced off and everyone has to physically go to this place to collaborate to a scenario where you have to bring the data to the people. And that data could be uh, small uh, hubs or another business that's a satellite office. It could be a single freelancer that you're only getting access to for a week and you need to be able to deliver the right data or assets to them to work on in a timely fashion in their home on a machine that you may not even manage your own. So, you know, there's a whole cyber story here as well that obviously we may get into in, in uh, further conversation. Um, but the paradigm has changed radically. Um, but it, the drivers are still the same. It's about reducing the friction between human collaboration. Therefore, you're going to get a better creative outcome. 
The security needs are one aspect we're going to look at in our next episode, different levels of permissions and approvals. But without going into the solutions at this time, can we first look at how Dell and Architecta became aware of each other and how they started working together? Sure, although I can start with that one. But uh, I, so I've been aware of Architecta for many, many years. You know, back when I was I was working in the studio, um, and the reason for that uh, awareness was that uh, in this business, as I've kind of alluded to, you know, the, the biggest challenge is typically uh, storage and render or compute resources. So they're the two biggest things that the business consumes and needs in creation anyway. And so uh, businesses are always looking at ways that they can do things better, um, that they can add automation, that they can uh, manage the limited resources they have more efficiently to to get better uh, optimised output. And so, you know, many times uh, there were uh, roads that were crossed, you know, where we sort of ran into each other uh, on that sort of search for, for doing things better. So I've been aware of Architecture by by touching on their, their business times, better solutions, better ways of doing things. But it wasn't until uh, I started uh, at Dell Technologies that uh, we started running to, into each other a lot more. Um, part of that, I think, was driven by the fact that they have a, a solution or have a capability of bringing a solution to the table that uh, fundamentally meets a lot of these challenges head on. Um, they have a, a great amount of flexibility in their product. Uh, and so based on my experience, I sort of naturally gravitated uh, quite heavily towards them um, because it kind of ticks so many boxes for me um, still kind of sitting in the customer seat. You know, that's the way I still sort of view the world most of the time is, you know, how would this improve my business? How would this improve a customer's pipeline? Um, and it just resonated for me. And so I suppose that uh, helped deepen the relationship since being at, uh, at Dell. Um, I don't know if, Jason, you want to add any more colour to that? We'd never heard of Dell before. Uh-huh. No, that's, <laughs> that's not that's true. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. We've always used uh, Dell uh, uh, servers. We, we, we've got joint customers where we drive Dell storage uh, phenomenally well. We've got special stuff that uh, mates uh, very well with uh, uh, formerly Isolon and our power scale. Um, the other thing also we are doing is we're lifting the level of the conversation and I think many people these days uh, have a, a, like to talk about their data problem, not necessarily their their storage or hardware problem. So the the advantage of us lifting that conversation, but needing to be, uh, uh, we need to sit on hardware. We need to sit on really good hardware. Uh, and so, as we lift that conversation, partnering up with Dell to provide the infrastructure with us uh, is is a sort of a perfect combination. One of the uh, keys that I know that we want to discuss was uh, syncing data and how it's something that we've been aware of now, but has a more important role. Is that something you would want to talk about, Jason? Do you mean the uh, transmission of data from guess, uh, point yeah. to point? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you in, enter the world of distributed uh, content production, obviously you need to transmit data over larger distances. The larger the distance, the uh, the the longer it takes for light to travel, and the longer it takes, the latency increases between uh, those endpoints. Uh, so, for example, which I'm in Melbourne, uh, in Australia, and the, the time it takes for light to travel to the west coast of the US around 177 milliseconds of ping time for for uh, uh, transmitting data to that uh, point. 
that makes it hard to get things moving at speed. So we need better systems uh, for uh, transmitting at speed. But it's not just about speed. Those systems need to be integrated with the data management fabric. So we're making sure that we get just the right thing at the right time to the right endpoint, and we know what's there. Also, governance uh, uh, requirements for governing what data goes where means we need to inspect uh, those uh, transmissions to make sure we're not sending things that we shouldn't be sending to somewhere uh, to somewhere else. So, it, 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 the transmission from point A to B really should be part of an overall uh, data management uh, fabric, and those are things that we're working on. And rarely is it just two facilities that are working back and forth. There's often many facilities in many different time zones there. So it's not a management of point to point, it's point to many. Point to many and many to many. And the shape of that can change over time. And the and you might have a you might be outsourcing work to another uh, location. And then in that location, somebody else is doing work and they need to outsource and it may be bi-directional. You're mm-hmm. cooperating, or you start with a uh, outsourcing work to a, a, a facility in another country, and then you find that that work you've been taking on even more work, and you need to add somewhere else, and you need uh, people with specialist talent, and and maybe they're in another country, and you need to orchestrate all of these people, the flows to workflow, and a workforce management problem as much as actually getting the data uh, to those people when it's needed, and then of course if we're in different time zones. Knowing what somebody has completed the night before and that I can just pick up uh, at the beginning of my day, that's a workflow uh, problem. And that's, uh, that's something that people actually find a quite a bit of uh, difficulty in dealing with. Uh, and you want to minimise the amount of uh, crossover or overlap so people can work, follow the sun as smoothly as possible. Mm-hmm. In our next episode, we're going to look at some of the practices and solutions that can help content creators deal with some of these challenges. Alex and Jason, I hope you will both come back and share your insight into how Dell and Architecta can help. Looking forward to it, Mark. Likewise. I want to thank our listeners for tuning in and encourage them to stay tuned for episode two. I'd also direct them to postmagazine.com where they can read Jason's article on the era of data orchestration. Thanks again. Thanks again.